all who thirst, come to the water. Come, all who are weary. Come, all who yearn for forgiveness. The Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, has washed over us. And our gracious and holy God beckons and blesses us. Drink deeply of these living waters. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. We light the Christ candle. And we listen to the words of the Apostle John. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus Christ is our light and our life. In his name and in his power, let us worship God. Welcome to Worship Creston Church. We've been praying for you as you've prepared for worship in all your various watching and listening places. We pray that each one of you will have an encounter with our living God. The good news for us today is that the living God is here in this place and he's there wherever you are in all of your different places. If this is the first time that you've joined us, welcome. You can find out more about our church by visiting our website, CrestonChurch.org. Feel free to send us an email if you'd like us to get in touch with you. We continue the season of Epiphany until February 16. Epiphany is a season celebrating the revelation of our Savior, the light of the world. You can find the order of worship in today's email. It contains everything that you'll need to participate fully in the service, including responsive readings and songs. So be bold, speak out loud, join in on the singing. Even though we're in our separate physical locations, our God recognizes our corporate worship that we all together offer to him. Now, as we continue our worship, I invite you to stand in body or in spirit, to stretch out your hands, perhaps, as a visible sign of receiving God's greeting right along with everyone else who is watching and listening. People of God, to those who are called, who are beloved in God the Father and kept safe for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. And we say together, Amen. Please join me for our morning prayer. God of Advent, of waiting and hoping, keep our hearts expectant, ready for your coming among us. God of Christmas, of celebration and rejoicing, Make our hearts glad with the joy nothing can take from us. 
God of epiphany, of hiding and making known. Fill our hearts with wonder at the revelation of your glory that we have seen in Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's join in a confession based on Psalm 10, including some silence, to listen for the Spirit and add your personal confession. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Like the wicked in our arrogance, we hunt down the weak who are caught in the schemes we devise. We do not seek you. We are haughty, and your laws can be far from us. Our victims are crushed. They collapse. We think you do not see, but you remember. The poor in spirit. The poor in our economy. The not yet born. the very young and the very old, those experiencing oppression due to their status or race or gender, those without the looks or talent or kind of intelligence the world favors. 
Lord, in your mercy, remember them. words of assurance from Psalm 10. But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. Be considerate to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. also includes our offerings. As we've been just reminded once again of God's grace toward us, our best response is to offer our entire lives back to him. Offering money is just one very special way that we can do that. During these times of being apart, you may give your gifts using the postal system or Creston Church's online giving program, making sure to clearly designate which causes you'd like your offering to be shared with. The deacons are very pleased to acknowledge your faithful and continued giving to the ministries of Creston Church. They encourage you to also consider our special offerings that are listed in the Friday email. Today's special offering is for Access of West Michigan, it stands for All County Churches Emergency Support System. 
It's a network of 350 congregations in Kent County that work together to meet human needs in our community, especially hunger, through communication, cooperation, and collaboration. Our weekly offering is for our other ministries here at Creston Church, for our denomination, and for our local congregation. What God has called us to do as a church in this neighborhood and in this city and what God has called us to do all around the world. Please remember to check that Friday email. It contains lots of information for you about our church family and the ongoing ministries of Creston Church. This week's edition of the Friday email contains highlights like these, an update from the Pastor Search Committee, information about the Snow Day Extravaganza this Saturday, January 30, at Mary Waters Park, new faith formation resources, information about returning your Advent stones by the end of January, workshops hosted by congregations organizing for racial recognition, reconciliation, or CORE, opportunities for our children and youth, free online Calvin Symposium on worship, and information about a wide variety of services available from Penrest. Always feel free to share any prayer concerns with us so that we may hold you up in our prayers to God during the week and include them in our worship time prayers. I'd like to share the prayer concerns that we have received in the last few days. When I say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. Don survived COVID-19, but it has left, left him weak and unable to help much with his own care. So he has been moved into a situation in a facility where he can receive more care. The nurses take him every day to be with Beverly as part of each day, which is a blessing to them both. Please pray for his strength and for his health. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dorothy is still living in Muskegon, but has uncertain living arrangements and is unemployed. Please pray that God will guide her in these things and that she'll be able to obtain employment and more stability in life. Pray also for her peace during this time and that God will hold her close. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jeff and Betty's granddaughter, Stella, has been, been treated at Forest View Hospital. Presently, she's in the partial hospitalization program there. Please pray for healing, wisdom, peace, and an awareness of God's presence in Stella and the lives of her family and all those who care for her. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Please keep the search committee in your prayers. This past week, they continued with second round interviews for pastoral candidates on Wednesday evening and yesterday, Saturday afternoon. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Please be in prayer for Joel's nephew, Jory, 
who underwent surgery on Thursday to have a brain shunt put in. It's fairly common for children with spina bifida to have shunts put in, even though there was always the hope that he wouldn't need it. But now they hope and pray that it will help to alleviate the pain and discomfort that he has had lately and that he can return to being a happy one-year-old. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be on the lookout to see God at work in your life. Be sure to share a God story by sending us an email or perhaps making a video to share with all the rest of us. Let's pray together. As the prophet Isaiah rang out, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Empower your church, O God, to ring out the good news of the light of your son Jesus, which pierces even the deepest darkness. As a star rose high into the nighttime sky to draw the nations to the Christ child, send your blessing, O God, on this nation and every nation to draw the whole world to your peace and truth. Guide our nation as we adjust to the change in presidential leadership this past week. Give President Biden wisdom and humble dependence on you as he begins his term in office. As John the Baptist guided throngs of people to the edge of the wilderness and baptized Jesus in the River Jordan, we pray that you would guide our country and our leaders to the ways of justice and righteousness. We pray today for the multifaceted efforts to eradicate the virus that causes COVID-19 and to eradicate the evil of racism. Like the Magi who traveled from afar to bring gifts and celebrate the Savior's birth, we pray for this community and for those who celebrate their own birthdays and anniversaries in this season. As Jesus climbed the mountaintop and proclaimed blessings on the people of the world, we pray for the sick and the distressed, the poor and the lame. We especially pray today for Jory, Stella, Dorothy, and Don. As Jesus called his disciples to leave their nets and boats and follow him, we pray for those we love and who have answered your call to follow Jesus to your heavenly kingdom. Give them your peace, particularly our missionaries, Abraham and Elaine, Scott and Lisa, Andrew and Ruth, and Micah. We also pray for your guidance for our pastor search committee. Lord Jesus, light of the world, hear our prayers and make us reflections of your light that the places of darkness in our world would be pierced by your light and that all nations would be drawn to you and be overwhelmed with joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our children have the opportunity every week to join in on their own regular video time of children's worship. Let's share this blessing from God with our children and with each other.
Together we say, The Lord be with you and also with you. It is our privilege to turn to a portion of God's word, to read it, and to give some consideration to it. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to read Mark chapter 1. Mark is in the New Testament. The first book is Matthew, and the very next book is Mark. We need to find Mark chapter 1. And we will begin reading in just a moment at verse 14. Please pray with me. Eternal God, in the reading of the scriptures, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Mark chapter 1 beginning to read at verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, with the hired men, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a friend named Will who loves to fish. He's been enamored with fishing ever since he was a toddler, when one of his grandpas put a pole in his little hands. You might say Will was now, Will is all grown up. He's finished with high school, he's finished with college, and he still loves to fish every chance he gets. Will's most basic pieces of fishing equipment are a pole and a tackle box and maybe a bucket. He can stand on the shores of a lake or a stream, or he can use a boat to take him farther out in the water. If the fish are biting, He'll soon start reeling in a great bunch of fish, one fish at a time, just by using these basic items of a pole and his tackle box and a bucket. The four f fishermen in our text, though, use much different equipment. That's because fishing is their occupation, their livelihood, not just a hobby like it is for my friend Will. The Sea of Galilee at the north end of the Jordan River is well known for its thriving fishing industry. It's a long ways away from the Jewish religious center and temple in Jerusalem in the southern part of Israel. And 
fishing has changed just a bit in the last 2,000 years. These men have never seen a pole or a hook on the end of a line. Their basic piece of equipment is a large net up to about 20 feet across with chunks of metal and rocks tied in around the edges of that great big net and they function as weights. With practice, the casting net can be handled by a single fisherman who gathers the net on his arm and he heaves it forcefully outward like a lasso. And then it lands like a parachute out on the water. And it traps fish as those rocks and hunks of metal sink to the bottom. Then the fisherman dives to the bottom of the river or the lake and he gathers the weights of that net all together and then drags the net and its catch to shore. Day by day, year after year, Peter, Andrew, James, and John arrive at the lake shore to earn their living as fishermen using their boats and their nets. Meanwhile, two men have begun preaching in the land of Israel. John the Baptist is out in the desert down near Jerusalem, or halfway down to Jerusalem, midway through, down the Jordan River. He's been telling anyone who will listen about someone very special who will be coming along soon. The early verses in this chapter tell his story, including that fantastic scene at the river when Jesus shows up to be baptized by John. Even though our text is from the book of Mark, the other three gospel writers also share their memory of the comings and goings of Jesus. It's most likely that these four fishermen have heard about Jesus in the past and that the encounter in our text today is not the first time that they have met him. What the disciples hear on this particular day is no different from what they've heard as they were growing up. Jesus is talking about Old Testament ideas of God's kingdom that the disciples know very well. For example, 2 Samuel 7 verse 16 quotes God saying to King David, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. The prophet Jeremiah wrote these words of God in chapter 23, verse 5. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. However, Jesus puts it just a bit differently as he begins his preaching ministry. He says that the time has come and that God's kingdom is near. It's now and all around, no longer somewhere in the future. God is reigning over all of his creation, accomplishing the salvation of his people and bringing the new creation into being. The time is now. While this is a startling idea, Peter, Andrew, James, and John are just simple fishermen going about their daily business fishing and repairing their nets. 
Now Jesus is walking along the shore of Galilee and comes upon Peter and Andrew, throwing their net out into the lake. Jesus asked them to do one single thing, follow him. And then just a little further down the road, along the shore, Jesus asked James and John to do the very same thing, follow him. In their day, this request of Jesus is unheard of. Sure, there were lots of rabbis or teachers all around who had their little groups of followers, but teachers didn't go around inviting and asking people to join their group or their class. If someone had a respect for and a desire to learn from a particular rabbi, he would make a request to join the rabbi's little group of students. And then the group would spend all of their time learning everything they could from their teacher. Usually, the students had a great desire to study the Torah, the Old Testament books of the law, and gain a deeper understanding from that rabbi. And they didn't have time to earn any sort of living. Not so for Jesus and these four men. He comes right into their village in Galilee, right up to their nets and their boats along the sea. Jesus deliberately chooses them. He asks them to give up their entire way of life, their only means of income, their equipment, their father, and their co-workers. These four men did not volunteer to follow Jesus. This becoming fishers of people was not part of their plan. They were in the business of catching fish. Why would they be interested in becoming students of this rabbi to follow Jesus? I have a friend named John who grew up in my church years ago. During his high school and college years, he grew, gave up on his faith in God. He stopped praying. He stopped reading the Bible. He wanted nothing to do with Christianity. One night, John sensed God's presence while he was in college. What was that all about? John tried praying. He contacted a professor from a Christian college to express his frustration. Somehow, God, John knew that God was calling him to follow him, to make a change even though he thought it was a huge, crazy, outrageous mistake. There's another man named Bill, who is a murderer, who is in prison right now for that crime. He was just sick about what he did, knowing that he lost control of himself in his anger. He was so overwhelmed that he considered taking his own life. But God didn't leave him alone even in prison. Bill sensed that God was calling him to follow him into something new and good. But how could anything good take place in prison to a convicted murderer? It seemed like an amazing, crazy thing that God was trying to do in Bill's life. Crazy, amazing calls from God to follow him. 
guess what? We hear them too. God calls little children to follow him. When we listen to mom and dad read a story from the Bible. God calls teenagers to follow him when we attend youth group meetings. God calls adults to follow him when we hear about the love of Jesus for the very first time from a friend. God calls longtime Christians to follow him when the Holy Spirit pushes us to pursue a deeper spiritual journey with God. When we first hear those calls, we often wonder what God has in mind. Things are going to be different, maybe even difficult. We get tempted. We sometimes lose our jobs. Sickness makes our days into a struggle. A pandemic turns our world and our lives upside down. Our loved ones die. Relationships go bad. Our nation struggles with divisive issues. We have a hard time with our grades in school. How is this call from God going to work out? It had probably never occurred to Peter, Andrew, James, and John to follow Jesus. But there's something about Jesus, something about the way he speaks, something about his claims and promises that make these four men make this huge change and follow Jesus at once and without delay. Following Jesus means that Peter, Andrew, James, and John allowed someone else to lead them. They follow after Jesus, letting him decide where they go, letting him decide what they will do, letting him teach them, letting him equip them, letting him be their leader. They follow his example. They are not independent fishermen on the Sea of Galilee anymore. Instead, Jesus is their leader, their master, their teacher, their trainer, so that they can become fishers of people rather than fishers of fish. Mark gives us a glimpse of their training in chapter 3, verse 14, where he writes, Jesus appointed the twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. In chapter 6, Mark writes, They went out two by two and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. During these times spent with Jesus, the disciples learn from him, and then he sends them out on a sort of internship so that they can gain experience in their new vocation of being fishers of men. Fishers of people. Fishers of boys and girls. They throw out a new kind of net, a net that spreads the good news to everyone they meet. Their message is the same message of Jesus, repent, that turning away from their sin. Now they're sharing the good news of the coming of God's kingdom. During the next three years, they'll discover completely what God's kingdom plan is all about. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, they tell everyone they meet, 
about salvation from sin through Jesus. They don't tell just one person at a time, sort of like using a fishing pole with a single hook on it. No, they tell as many people as they possibly can, sort of like that net, throwing it out, telling everyone they possibly can do. On the day of Pentecost, Luke tells us that one of these four disciples, Peter, preaches to a huge crowd, so huge that over 3,000 people from all around the world repent and believe his message of salvation through Jesus in just that one day. From fishing for fish, to following Jesus, to fishing for people, Jesus leads these four men to be part of his kingdom plan. My friend John heard an amazing call from God, too. He ended up switching colleges, going to seminary, and becoming a minister. God led John on his own journey of fishing for something other than Jesus, to following him as his savior, to fishing for people as a pastor of a congregation. And Bill, the man in prison, God planted an amazing idea in his heart. Sign up for a class held in the prison offered by Calvin Seminary. So Bill did just that. God introduced Bill to other people who loved Jesus. And today, Bill is part of the leadership team of a church plant inside that prison. God led Bill from fishing for a way to escape his overwhelming guilt, to following Jesus in his new life in Jesus, to fishing for people inside the prison walls. You can read all about Bill in the fall of 2014 issue of the Calvin Seminary Forum. God is calling and leading little children, teenagers, and adults from fishing around with our own special interests and temptations to following him in order to become fishers of other people who will become part of God's kingdom. God is calling and leading us, people right here, right now, to join him in his big kingdom project of first following and learning and then letting others know about salvation for, from sin and having hope for the future when Jesus comes again. But following Jesus is not exactly the same today as it was in Jesus' day. We don't just sit around in a circle with Jesus and listen to him all day, every day. Instead, we listen to our parents and teachers tell us Bible stories. We go to youth group meetings and dig into the Bible studies and discussions. We pay attention to the thoughts that the Holy Spirit plants inside of our minds when we first hear about Jesus. We participate in worship services and other Bible studies every chance we get. We dig deeper into the Bible by using the resources that other Christians have created. Learning to follow Jesus can help us depend on him and trust him to care for us all eternity, even when the tough things in life come our way. We're learning to trust him when we face a serious illness, when we face temptations, 
when we struggle to pay all the bills, when we journey through these long months of pandemic, when we're grieving the death of our loved ones, when our relationships fail, or when we're having a tough time at school. Following Jesus helps us to learn to know and love him more and more. It's sort of like sitting on the hillside, listening to Jesus say all those wonderful things. But we've got it even better today because we know the rest of the story, all included for us in the Bible. We now know that he suffered and he died and he rose again all because he loves us so very much. He successfully paid the penalty for our sin, the penalty that we are completely unable to pay. The apostles also tell us all about how God wants us to live on this earth until that big, big day comes, that day when Jesus returns to make everything brand new for all of his followers. There's a reason a point to being God's followers. And that reason is so that he can make us into fishers of people, to spread the good news of Jesus everywhere we go. The most effective way to be a great fisher of people is to be a great follower. If we're great followers, we can't help but let the good news of God's love ooze out from us wherever we go. God's got a plan, a huge, amazing kingdom plan where he reigns as our Lord and Savior. In God's plan, he leads us from our fishing for sin and our own selfish interests to following Jesus more lovingly and more faithfully with every passing day to fishing for other people who can also become followers of Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate being part of God's big plan. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, many of us have heard this short, simple little story about fishermen lots of times. It's not very complicated. But to think about Jesus calling each one of us to follow him, that's huge. Especially since the next step is to share what we've heard with someone else. Suddenly it's not so simple anymore. Suddenly we find ourselves in training, following our Savior, growing in our love and understanding. Now it's our time to go fishing and searching for people all around us. It's our turn to throw out the net of the good news of Jesus Christ. Encourage and equip us to be faithful to your calling to come and follow you, our Lord and our King. We pray in Jesus' name.
we've come to the end of our time of worship today. And when we come to the end of our worship time, we hear God speak to us. He has the final word. I invite you to stand in body or in spirit, sit up a little straighter in your chair perhaps, or stretch out your hands as a sign of receiving God's parting words of blessing. Jesus calls us o'er the tumult of our lives, wild, restless sea. Day by day, his sweet voice soundeth, saying, Christians, follow me. So he sends us on our way, my friends, to live as his followers during the days of this coming week with these good words. May the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine in our hearts, transform our lives, and brighten the world. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you always. Amen. Amen.